If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. I'm Bill. We've got Carrie and Rich joining me today. I hope that you guys all had a fantastic uh, holiday break and Happy New Year. Uh, oh, yeah, Rich, I know you did not have a fantastic break, did you? I had a terrible time. It was the worst. I got sick on Christmas. Christmas Day is when I started feeling it. And I was out for like two, three days. It was terrible. Don't do that. It is the worst time to get sick is is during the holidays. So, like, did you have to cancel a bunch of stuff? No, thankfully not. Um, My son was also sick, and he was worse off than I was. And so, like, he didn't open gifts on Christmas Day. He waited until the next day to open gifts. So that's how bad we were. Wow. Okay. that's. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Hopefully, Carrie, you had a better time than Rich. Oh, no, I was sick as well. I also had to work, but I, I could work remotely. I was actually, it was actually um, the day after Christmas for me that I started getting sick. And on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I woke up with a headache. And that is rough. That was a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Also, because I have to wake up so early for work. So it's like I have to do the morning report. I have a headache. I'm trying to take Ooh. caffeine and ibuprofen. Uh, but otherwise, it wasn't too bad. Um, uh, Friday, I managed to like play video games and like be in a better zone, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't all that awesome. Uh, How about so, you, Bill? <laughs> uh, well, I I was fine. Um, got to babysit my grandson uh, a, a bunch over vacation, which was super fun. And then you know my my kids were all here in the house for for uh, Christmas time, so it was awesome. We had a bunch of we had a bunch of fun and. Uh, really tried as hard as I could not to do any work. And I mostly failed at that, but I, <laughs> I still, I still enjoyed myself. So you didn't put that. yourself on the, under the pressure of actually releasing a video though. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. And it was all for another channel, which some of you guys know about and some of you guys don't, and I'm not going to tell you about it yet anyway, but, uh, <laughs> like it, it was all for other stuff. And I like, I'm just like getting a backlog of videos before I post anything, but, um, Love it. yeah, so I didn't have to worry about like posting a video and then looking to see how did it do? Do I need to change anything? Uh, but you know, those of you who are, are here for the live show, thank you so much for showing up. Let us know how you're, uh 
you know, your holidays were over over your breaks, or maybe you were like Carrie and you didn't get a break, or maybe you were like Rich and you were in bed the whole time feeling awful. So um, let us know what you guys did. Hopefully you were better off than both of those guys because it sounds like they didn't have too good a time. But listen, we're here to talk about video games, and that's what we do here on the Nerd Nest Podcast. So I made a post over on uh, my YouTube channel, not a video, but like a post saying, I want to hear your hot takes. You know, just something that you guys feel like a lot of people would disagree with. Uh, And a bunch of people responded to that because I think people like to, they, they like to stir the pot a little. And so I, I asked the guys to to go on that post and find a hot take or two that they thought was a good discussion topic starter. So I'll start. Um, I went and found one, and it was from it's J Rod TV, and they said I don't think games need to be one hundred percent complete on launch. I like early access and watching a game become its best version. I like being an early adopter and. Like the way that they're looking at it, you know, a, a very exam- hot take, huh? I said that's a very hot take. Some takes were lukewarm, some takes mm-hmm. were cold. I would say that one's a, a absolutely a hot take. It qualifies for sure, absolutely, <laughs> and that's why I picked it. But he started off as a super like a nuclear take, and then he yep. kind of backed it up with yep. information that I feel like almost like kind of justifies what he was saying yep. because yep. for me. Like, I look at a game like Baldur's Gate 3, mm-hmm. and I, I look at the, the things that uh, Larian Studios has said about the data that they get during early access and how they use it to craft a game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they get all these, when you're playing the games, they get they, they get all these reports back from people who are playing. They're like hot spots where, you know, players run into an issue. And, uh, like, you don't have to report anything. Like, as you're playing the game, it kind of... Uh, in early access, it reports that information back to Larian, and then they can say, oh, look at this. Everybody seems to be screwing up in this one spot, and it's you know it's making them stop playing. So mm-hmm. let's tweak that just a little bit and see if we can improve it. And I think that that's actually a really good way of, of uh, thinking about that. So Baldur's let's, Gate let's 3 go- is game of the year for last year. And Absolutely. It's an early access game that shipped basically unfinished. What were you about to say, Rich? So let's go a bit nuclear real quick. I want to ask you something. But before I do, I'm going to couch it, right? So like we all, I think we would all agree that at the very least, transparency is important, right? Like if you're going to do early access, it has to be labeled early access. You have to know what you're getting yourself into. Given that caveat, with that in mind, Bill, how would you feel if Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo started releasing early access first party games? I don't know how I'd feel about it, but when when I think about that, I think it depends on it depends on what kind of game it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't like early access where early access gets you a competitive advantage in multiplayer, like that kind of thing. I, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, but the way that Larian handled it with Baldur's Gate makes a lot of sense to me. That being said. When when you're talking about like the the big console makers doing their first party stuff that way, ah, like my gut tells me that's bad and they yeah. shouldn't do that. But yeah. I'm I'm okay with Larian doing it. Why is why is that okay? What do you what do you think, Carrie? 
well, Microsoft has done it. Um, I don't know if you know the game Grounded. Grounded is mm-hmm. a game oh, that yeah. was released. Yeah. Um, I actually played it with my buddies when I first got Game Pass. Like, I was exploring Game Pass. Like, what the hell is Game Pass? We, they had a bunch. So we were just, like, jumping into a bunch of multiplayer games. And it was a lot of fun, um, as it was. But then I'm like, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. We were playing for, like, hours. I'm like, I haven't hit one achievement yet. What in the world is going on? So I go, and it's like, there's no achievements because this is an early access game. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is that about? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Grounded, I think, was, like, the first or I don't know, it's the first that I encountered uh, from Microsoft that was a first-party game that uh, was in early access. Access, And um, I don't I don't think Sea of Thieves qualified as an early access title, but that is a game that felt like launched. It. Yeah, it felt like it because it was a game that was super raw. And it, I, I was shocked that so many people kept playing the game. Like years later, a buddy of mine was like, oh, we want to play Sea of Thieves with me? I'm like, you're playing Sea of Thieves? And we started playing it and it was just more of that. But it was like, you're just going through and I wish that there was like a compelling hook to actually play the game. But it's it's a very raw type of old style game that I yeah. enjoy, but there's like really cool stuff. I don't know if you played Sea of Thieves, but there's parts in it where you like, you have the, the map and it's like, take five paces. So you hold a button and you press up and you hear, <laughs> so you actually take paces in like North South and you start digging and stuff and it, nothing's really spelled out for you. There's no like breadcrumb trail. There's no like HUD elements. It's like, go to this X on here and just start digging. So it's, it's really cool where Sea of Thieves came and went and microsoft probably has the most amount of a mix and match of early access games um and also probably the first that are they're doing the double a games where they're taking smaller bites like pentiment pentiment was a game that would never have been greenlit by any publisher ever and it's on game pass and it's uh not for me but i know a lot of people that love it are we calling hi-fi rush double a that's a Ooh. tangent. I would probably say it's double A, but I loved. I, I haven't finished Hi Fi Rush, but I mean, the first two or three levels, I actually really enjoyed everything about the uh, the artistic style, how the game plays. I got to jump back into it, but I've been um, remiss on a lot of games as of late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have an answer for that. Uh, you know, whether like triple A, doesn't that like depend on like how much you spent on it or something, right? Think, yeah, yeah, we've never had like a, a full definition. And now it's like the the definition that I think a lot of us had in our mind was like a hundred million dollar budget. And yeah, now now that you can be firmly in sort of a what we traditionally thought is double A and have a hundred million dollar budget. So I think the bu- budgets have ballooned and we've talked, you know, everybody's talking about that, um, which mm-hmm. is another another hot take I, I've seen on there. Um, so I, I won't get too far into it, but I, I, I think I would call Hi-Fi Rush double A. It's like not, um, it's not at the level of like graphical fidelity of like a cyberpunk. Like it's, it's at least that's here below, I would say in terms of graphical fidelity, in terms of production values of something like cyberpunk and you know, the, the tent pole game. So I, that's where I would put it. I would put it in double A. So you asked me the question, Rich, you yeah. said, yeah. how would I feel if uh, Microsoft, Sony and uh, Nintendo had their yeah. first party games coming out in early access? I'm curious, what do you think? Yeah, so I 
I think you're right. I think it definitely depends on what they're doing, right? Like it would be so weird for Nintendo to release a Zelda and put in early access and like pretty much ruin any of the surprise element that they normally have for a Zelda game. Um, but I think there are games certainly where I, I personally would be okay with them releasing it in early access and labeling it as such. So if they had maybe the next, um, I don't know, certainly like a hell divers right like something like that something that's games as a service maybe the next um marathon from bungie that sort of thing if that was early access i think i'd be cool with it so it definitely depends on what they're doing you know it's interesting if you when you said zelda as an early access game i think tears of the kingdom would probably be one of the only zelda games that could ever work as an early access zelda game Mm -hmm. uh and that's largely to do with how fungible all of the puzzles were in terms of being able to solve them with just kind of any any solution um so i think that's what kind of out of all of the zeldas tears of the kingdom would probably be the only that would be early accessible um but it also goes to show that it's probably one of my least favorite zelda games um (laughs) yeah Kirby in chat said the next Mario Maker should be early access, and I love that idea. I yeah. adore that idea. Yeah. I think that's the other half of this, right? Like gaming is changing or game development is changing, and it's not just this goes back to the game budgets being kind of getting bigger and bigger very quickly, but also there are a lot of experimental things that just become huge, right? Like Minecraft, Among Us, like it's to me, it's not about putting money putting a lot of money into a few number of games. To me, it's about putting a little money into a lot of games, seeing what blows up and go off of that. If I was running a gaming company, that's how I would run it, right? Um, and I, I don't think I don't think Nintendo runs that way, dude. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not even just talking about Nintendo. I'm talking about all of them. Like, right. even just the third-party publishers, um, Nintendo, I could, like, I feel like Nintendo is in their own lane. They know what they're doing, and they're doing it well, and I can't really... you know complain about it but when i look at like ubisoft spending so much money on skull and bones spending so much money on assassin's creed i feel like they would be better off putting a little money in a lot of games seeing what hits and then doubling down on that investment i think that a lot of times what ends up happening when a company does something like that is i mean a company like nintendo i i think that there's certain games that we never we never would have gotten. We would never have gotten a game like Pikmin or Animal Crossing if if Nintendo was like kind of sprinkling things around just a little bit and then only like hitting the stuff that really works. I think that they would have been like, oh, well, in that case, let's let's make sure that, that like this Mario game is doing really well. But it's like the other games tend not to do nearly as much as the big tentpole releases. Animal Crossing was a terrible example. I shouldn't have brought it up because it came out during the pandemic when everybody well, was trapped in their in their house. But um, like, I don't think that no, that kind of game I, I gets made Nintendo, in that case. I think Nintendo already does what I'm talking about. I think Nintendo spends money, a little bit of money, on a lot more different types of games. So they will try to make, like you said, an Animal Crossing back before they knew it was going to be successful. They will try it. They will try Pikmin. They will try a weird F-Zero game or try a weird Star Fox game. And if it doesn't hit, then maybe they don't come back to it for another five years, six years, seven years. But if it does hit, 
then it's Animal Crossing and they have like one of the biggest hits they've ever had. So the only thing I want to kind of put in here is that Nintendo has a wild horse type of, I don't know, pillar somewhere in their organization where there is some guy who has, I guess, ultimate say on everything because it's like <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 35, like uh, Tetris 99. Right. All of these games are like, oh, everyone loves those games. Get rid of them. They're no longer <laughs> available. And like, you know, like as a as a method of using like any type of data from people playing games as to like, oh, we should do this better. There's that one dude who has like yes or no ability to like veto, like, <laughs> nah, just throw it all away. Yeah. That's no longer available. That was fun. <laughs> but you can Get rid of it. We're done. That. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. We, don't, we don't need it anymore. That's fine. And it's gone. <laughs> yeah. I will Splatoon? never forgive Nintendo we'll make... for Super Mario 35. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Splatoon, though, we'll make three of those in five years. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's um, really curious. I, I, I don't. So there's that, that weird component there. I think that they could do it. But then there's that one dude who's in that one part of the organization who is like, we need to make artificial scarcity this thing happen and this guy is like the arbiter of that uh so yeah. i don't know if it would work yeah i'm not sure um before we move on to the next uh hot take to respond to um max maloney has a really good point in chat they said early access is fine if there is actual development but some games release less than 100 and just stay uh -huh. that way now he says dead space 2023 I don't know. I had an absolute blast with Dead Space 2023, but um, there are tons of games that launch in early access and then just stay in early access forever. Kind of like yeah. Google or not Google Gmail was in beta for what, like 12 <laughs> years or some nonsense. I can't remember how long it was, yeah. but it was it just became a joke at that one point. So um as as much as i love boomer shooters boomer shooters are so guilty of like not abusing early access but just you don't know what you're gonna get so like you can buy most boomer shooters are gonna launch with like episode one and you'll have to wait to get episode two three or whatever and most of the time they're developed but it just takes a while so you don't know when that's coming and then sometimes they don't sell well so they just abandon it right so it, it does it's a lottery but i guess that's what you get with being an early adopter right so it, it can be frustrating yeah and i think that uh what happens a lot of time is these 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 companies they do it with the best of intentions but right. money is not infinite and if something is not working then they have to move on to something else i i would also say like a company i can't remember the name of the company but a game an example that's like um uh, the day, not the the day after, the, the day, day before. before, the day yeah, before. the day before that one. Like, I like that's definitely not. So that's not this case. Like those guys, I feel like were scammers. I, and they, I don't they were know scammers for sure, the way. But no, I feel like they were scammers. I'm just trying to avoid getting sued. Here. Yeah, fair enough. Um, allegedly, uh, they were scammers the whole way. Uh, there we go. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. That's and Amelia, uh, Amelia, meme. don't say that. Don't say that. He says Graven and Wrath are never coming out, are they? These are two uh, boomer shooter games that are, uh, yeah, guilty, very guilty of this. Which they're good games, and you know, like you said, they come out with the best intentions. But yeah, and yeah, Emilio, uh, it was allegedly just a scam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I All right, like um, go ahead, Carrie. Oh, sorry, real quick. I feel like there's a lot of uh, Kickstarters that have a bit plagued by this type of feeling where everyone kind of funded early on and everyone was just, it was a, there was a lot of nostalgia driven Kickstarter projects. There's a Space yeah. Quest game that was supposed to be done by the original two guys. They released this 
broken mess and they're still working on it. I got an update like at the end of January and I'm like, man, what do you guys <laughs> like? I don't, I don't care anymore, but it's like, yeah. it's a weird place that they're in where that money that was put into it is long gone. There's no new money coming into it. They still want to have something where it's worthwhile to release and it's, it's few and far between. Do you feel like it's a hot take to say that, uh, that like Kickstarter is, is a, just a absolute nightmare for like buying stuff like is that a hot take or is that a cold take i refuse to buy anything on kickstarter i yeah no i don't think i think that's a cold take at this point like everyone (laughs) it was was like a like there was a bunch of people that were excited about this like you can get rid of the middleman you don't need a venture capitalist you don't need this we can just do these things but all the people that were involved in making these projects um they're not scammers by any means, but there is a lack of clear understanding of how long it's going to take and what you need to do to get something shipped. Um, so there's creatives that are are able to do stuff, but that there's like a whole part of that where there's like you know actual people that like know how to ship games and know how to schedule stuff that is actually needed. Uh, but there's there's a ton of projects that were on Kickstarter or whatever that got labeled as scams. And it's really just varying levels of incompetence that it didn't actually materialize. I always like to say never attribute to malice when you can attribute to incompetence because a lot of people out there are incompetent. And it's not really their fault. They're trying as hard as they can, and still they screw up. Um, Just want to say real quick, uh, thank you for the super chat that came in earlier. We'll respond to those super chats later on in the show uh, because I don't want to interrupt the conversation for that. Rich. Did you find a hot take that you wanted to talk about? I found a whole bunch. Um, I'm going to pick the one that I think is the hottest and that I think I agree with the most. The Nintendo Switch is still a great handheld console. While some might scream how dated it is, it still runs the games built for it pretty well. That's from at Ace of Sterns. Um, I So there's a balance, right? And that's the thing. You asked for hot takes, so people are going to give you hot takes. But mm-hmm. there is like there is like a nuance to it, right? There's a spectrum to which uh, at, at one of the one end of the spectrum, you get the value of just having a single SKU, which is the switch that hasn't been upgraded since what, whenever it was released. And at the end, other end of the spectrum, you get the the um, the drawbacks of that, right? What are the fact that I can't have a new game that has uh, high fidelity and the best graphics, and so we've probably passed a point where like the benefits outweigh the drawbacks at the same time i still think the switch is great and i'm looking forward to the 2022 switch games including super princess peach and mario versus donkey kong i would still rather have a new switch um but there's still a lot of good games coming not a lot there are good games coming i'll put it that way well what do you think about that carrie uh, yeah, so I, the Switch is still a very compelling handheld, no matter which way you look at it. And I, I, everyone dogs on the Switch for its image quality or whatever that it's doing. There are games that Nintendo does on their own system that image quality-wise, what they're actually pushing out and visuals that they're producing are stellar. So anything that's coming from Nintendo, and arguably a lot of people are getting Switches just for their first-party output, Nintendo... Uh, is leagues ahead of both Microsoft and Sony in terms of first-party output and games that you'd want to get on an exclusive platform um, it, insofar as you know PC Switch being a thing. But the Switch is thankfully so weak that emulation is feasible on a lot of low-powered devices, <laughs> which is kind of funny 
because it's um, it, the irony of it is that Nintendo has long left the hardware end of the game where they're pushing for hardware. And the end result, the net result of that is that it's been easier to emulate their systems because they're so low powered, right. uh, which I'm thankful for. Um, and because it's such a popular <laughs> system, you look at like Red Dead Redemption, which finally came out to Switch. That is the best way to play Red Dead Redemption emulation wise uh, out of any particular either RPCS3 or uh, Xenia. The Switch version plays very, very well and looks really good. So, yeah, I mean, I love the Switch, uh, the Switch flash cart that's coming out i think whatever team did that kind of did it a little too soon they should have totally waited until the the super nintendo switch was coming out because if now nintendo has enough time where they could have i guess have enough time where they can try to figure out how to break the compatibility on the new switch because yeah. i'm still of the mind that nintendo is not insane enough to be like you know what everyone that invested in the switch library who cares let's re-roll this I don't think that Nintendo would do that. Like, I know mm. Nintendo can do a lot of nuts so crazy things. Yeah. I just wouldn't bet that they would do it. But now that this flash card has been announced, I think that Nintendo themselves are like, oh, crap. So now they have yeah. to, like, you know, bake in some more security in the Super Switch one. They probably were already doing that anyway. But, um, you know, there's it's always the cat and mouse game. And I think that the team that was releasing that should have waited until that came out. So they'd be like, Hey, we have a flash card that works on the super switch. And they're like, Oh, you yeah. got us. <laughs> you waited, you waited eight yeah. years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 my son is like dying to get a super switch. I told him about midnight launches. So he's like stoked. He's been saving his money to buy his own super switch. And he wants to do a midnight launch. He wants to go to GameStop or Best Buy and wait in line and get it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if we were to take a look at this holistically, I think right now is a defining moment for a lot of different handhelds. You look at the Steam Deck and you look at Switch and Super Switch. The Super Switch, if it comes out this year, is going to solidify and cement where people are buying their digital library on these handhelds. And I think that there's a there's a number of people that aren't really fully investing in the Switch just because ecosystem-wise, it's not the best visuals. Uh, and Steam Deck has kind of messed that up a little bit. Um, going in that direction, I think that, you know, with the rumors that Microsoft is actually going to have a Zen 5 RDNA 4, uh, you know, mid-gen refresh, that's actually a bit beefier than just pushing more cores. I think, my, I'll, I'll, I'll say this in the end of the time, I think Microsoft needs to get a handheld out there, especially with Game Pass and all the other stuff, to, if they don't have something for the Super Switch to compete against, it's gonna the race is gonna be gone. The like the super switch is gonna take it uh, take it all the way, and then people are gonna be so invested in the super switch side of stuff that uh, it's really only gonna be like PC handhelds and, and the switch really, insofar as a handheld scope. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, Microsoft doesn't seem to really care about the hardware side of things very much. They really seem to want to just make it Game Pass. And yeah. be, I think they'll be perfectly fine there if they continue to do that. I think it's a, it's, I like that all of the different console makers are doing different things. Um, but back to the hot take, um, is the Switch a, a decent handheld still? Absolutely. Yes. It's still really uncomfortable to play in handheld mode. I've never, I've never liked playing it in handheld mode. 99% of the time when I play that thing, it is docked. But as far as like the game quality for the games that are on that system, they're fantastic games if they're first party. 
you run into a lot of issues for third-party ports from some companies. I don't want to say com- I don't like the idea of saying that the devs are lazy, but you know they get X number of dollars, and you can only do so much with X number of dollars, and then you have to ship your game. Yep. And the publishers are like, well, you know, you guys are shipping this game to the Nintendo Switch because that's your job. So do it. And they get as far as they can, and then it's like, okay, we're going to ship it, and it's kind of broken, kind of like the the Batman game that that was mentioned before. Like yep. they ship a broken mess to the Nintendo Switch. That's I, surprising. Like back, yeah. Well, back when I did a Nintendo podcast, I used to say that Nintendo used to like third party stuff. They ruled that with an iron fist, and they said, "You're not shipping unless we approve it." And like that's a game that should never have gotten through the approval process to to end up on the Switch. So I do think it's still a good system if you want to play mostly like indie stuff and Nintendo first party stuff. But the the big games that are on all of the platforms, it's almost always like a bad experience with those particular games. Real, real quick for handheld play, do you have a Nitro Deck? Do either of you have one? I do. I don't. Do you, you said do you, you do, Carrie? Mm-hmm. I, I like it. it. What do you guys? think, Carrie? I'm not a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's kind of like an all or nothing solution, and I've never been that big uh, into uh, strapping uh, like a... It just makes it larger, and I don't really care about the ergonomics of the Switch so much. The, the Switch, mm-hmm. for what it's worth, I never got hand cramps in using it in handheld mode. I know that's different yeah. for other people, but the PS Vita and the 3DS both gave me cramps when I was playing on it. So it's odd for me that the Switch itself never really gave me a problem. Um, so because of that, because of how I'm holding it and it's not uncomfortable, it's never been a thing that I've looked to solve. Yeah, so I, I I did have hand cramps with the Switch playing handheld. Um, somehow I beat Celeste on the Switch, and looking back on it, I have no idea how I did that because I did it mostly in handheld mode, so I didn't have a D-pad and my hands were getting cramps. <laughs> Um, but I really like the Nitro deck. I think it's super comfortable and it makes the the Switch playable in handheld mode to me again. So, Bill, if you, well, you know, we're already up to the the Super Switch, hopefully this year, 2024, but if for some reason you want to play the Switch handheld, Nitro deck is pretty good. Nitro deck shot themselves in the foot by not putting that thing out like five years ago. Um, You say that, but they seem to have been really successful, so there's that too. Maybe. Uh, I just can't see, like, five years ago, holy cow, these things would have been flying off the shelves. But you ship it today, and a lot of people like myself are like, well, as Carrie calls it, the Super Switch is coming. Do we really want to spend more money on my Nintendo Switch if I'm suddenly not going to be using it? It's really a valid thing. It's it is it is a thing that Nintendo really has to get ahead of because my son has been on probably waiting for a Super Switch for two years now and I feel like a lot of people have been in that same mind space. Uh, mind space bill is that they're of the mind like well it's it's gonna come out it's it's right around the corner so I'm not gonna do anything and right. um, that's a that's a thing that they really have to just nip in the bud by <laughs> releasing it already. Yeah, I ran a poll in chat. Uh, I said, do you think that the Super Switch, as Carrie calls it, is coming? Uh, this year, only 55% said yes. 44% Ooh, said no. Wow. That, wow. That's crazy to me that that, <laughs> that that it's... I thought it would be 70% yes, 30% no. That's way closer than I anticipated. 
I anticipated it to be. Um, Chris did you Stamp call it Super Switch? Saying, I did call it Super Switch. Chris Stamp is saying, is Super Switch the same as the Switch 2? Yeah, we don't know what it's called. We're just saying, you know, that is the that is, in my opinion, the best name for the next Switch is the Super Nintendo Switch because we have the Super Nintendo, you know. Um, but we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. I I think they got to really. Carrie, you think it's coming this year? They have to. They, if they don't come out this year, it's a big mistake. Rich, ditto. Okay, so there you have it. We're a hundred percent. This panel is a hundred percent that it's coming out this year. So you guys can bank on it. Carrie, did you find a hot take that you wanted to talk about? No, I, I didn't. I've been I've been working on um, another video that I have to finish by we'll today. We'll never forgive you, but that's okay because Rich <laughs> brought more than one. Rich, you got I, one I more. I brought plenty. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know which one to pick, but I'm going to go with the one that um, maybe best mirrors the conversation that Carrie and I have had in chat for a while um, for the last two weeks. So Antonio Cunningham said subscription based gaming is a cancer to the game to the game industry. It's taken away what little ownership we have. It's crazy that we depend on piracy to save us from the you'll own nothing crowd. So there are a lot of layers to that. And one of those layers is like, is piracy justified, which is a whole other hot take from Sir Pantalot. I'm not going to read it here right now, but there was that hot take as well, right? Like whether or not piracy is justified. And there, I can repeat a lot of things that we've heard, right? Like for example, um, is it, if you don't own anything, then piracy is not, if you don't own it, then piracy is not stealing. Is that the one? Yeah, I mean, we've all heard that a million times. Yeah. It's, a, right. it's, it's a compelling argument. I'm not going to, right. I'm not advocating for piracy, but that is a very compelling argument, especially right. when you see things just get the rug pulled out from people who bought stuff. And like, what was it? It was on Sony recently. All the, both people who bought a discovery TV, Right. Uh, show on the sure. Sony PlayStation had it just stolen from them. Yeah. Like, so that Sony is a perfect example. Go ahead. Sorry. So Sony walked that back sort of, they just renewed a contract, right? So like, it just means that you have that content for a little bit longer now. I think it's two, two or three more years. Um, well, it's already the, poisoned. Exactly. Yeah. The well is already poisoned. Um, but to the take, I don't know where I land yet. I, I know the conversations that Carrie and I have had are have, are me closer to being subscription-based gaming is a cancer, but I don't actually call it a cancer. I think it's really what it's really the next sentence that he says. It's taken away what little ownership we have, right? That's the that's the crux. Is what is our ownership? And I think my hot take is that we should be leveraging our power in our communities, whatever that is, right? To to advocate for regulation i think regulation can actually help what problems we may have with ownership so i think it would be cool if we advocated for like better digital ownership rights where it wasn't just a license and we had some sort of ways to to back up our ownership even when the service does go away uh, i would pay extra money for that right like i would pay extra money to have the my steam licenses or my whatever I buy, right? Have these licenses, not just be licenses for the lifetime of the system, but be for the lifetime, for my lifetime. I own these forever indefinitely. Um, however, we would make that happen. And I think regulation would be a good way to getting there. 
Yeah, or the threat of re- uh, regulation. You you go back right. to uh, the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis era, or Sega CD era, um, when we had Night Trap and Mortal Kombat, like putting everybody in a tizzy. Um, Sega went to Nintendo and said, hey, do you want to work together and, and make the... They didn't call it the ESRB, they called it something else. And Nintendo said, right. get out of here. We don't have to worry about that <laughs> stuff on our system. You guys, you go fight it on your own. And then, you know, Congress stepped in and they pulled every, all the, the big players in the industry up in front of a, a, a you know, a, a, what the hell do they, they call it where they ask a people a question? A hearing, yeah. They pulled them all up in front of them and, and had a hearing. And shortly thereafter, uh, everybody said, hey, let's make the ESRB in order to avoid uh, having the government make us do something that we don't want to do. So... Right. Like, that's the kind of thing that I think I, I don't I don't like the idea of, you know, somebody regulating the gaming industry to make them do something. But I like them to do it because otherwise maybe that will happen. Um, I feel like that's a that's a ahead. I feel like that's a very like American thing where like we don't like it, but we still like look to the w's that the eu brings us and are like yes this is awesome and so like we do like regulation we just like when other people do it apparently and it benefits us (laughs) like yeah usbc great we want that but and the only reason we have it is because of eu regulation but we were we didn't want to do it ourselves for some reason yeah i i i definitely there with you um i just feel like i prefer that the the people who make these decisions be people who know stuff and far <laughs> too often the people who like when it, when regulators get in the, in the mix, there's a bunch of people trying to make decisions that don't know Jack about Jack. You know, you get some moron saying it's a series the the internet's a series of tubes, you know, everybody remembers yeah, yeah. that, that meme that we all joked about for years because you get these out of touch people that don't understand things, and yep. uh, that that makes for some very bad regulation to happen. But yep. I do want to be able to own the games that I have. Although there's there's I'm going to poke one hole in your thread there, and that's going to be what about the games that require a server? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you uh, mean? So you mean online games? Yeah, like an online game where you know you're playing this game. Like I'll give you an example: Marvel, Marvel Heroes, which was basically a Diablo game where you could play as Spider-Man or Cyclops or Wolverine or whatever. 
And it was awesome. It was really, really good. And then Disney bought Marvel, and then they shut that game down. And it was an online-only Diablo game featuring Marvel characters. They shut that server down, and nobody could play anymore. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. What were you going to say, Carrie? Yeah, so uh, there are a number of things. I'm actually quite invested in this uh, particular conversation. So there's a lot of emulated servers that uh, people make as a, a last-ditch effort. And a lot of the emulated servers start while the game is still going, which presents a problem, right? Like, you don't want that to happen because then you could have a forked server where everyone's going to and they don't need to pay a subscription or they're going to pay a subscription to the other guy that's running your thing. Right. Um I think that there should be a law and regulation that says any server-based thing needs to have some method. And this is like a, a, a web 3.0 kind of idea that we're talking about, like uh, IPFS, where you're talking about a global file system type of thing, a global uh, standardized server that runs these types of games uh, or just whatever that they have to be available, made available. If the game is canceled and goes down that any server functionality, all that stack has to be made available to people to recreate on their own. That is a thing that should totally happen because right now we only have the concerted effort of individuals that are doing this. And this is like the only way that we can actually play some of these older games. One of the first MMOs that I loved playing was the realm by Sierra, Sierra online. And it was like a mix and match of their point and click type of games, but in an MMO. And it was amazing. Um, it was a lot of fun. And that I have an emulated version of that. So I have the emulated server that I can run in my own network and people can connect to my own realm server that people can play on. Uh, but that is like a super underground thing that not a lot of people know about. It's, EverQuest has it. So there's bigger games that have this type of stuff, but like it totally should be available. Um, I'm a big, big fan of that needing to be like a blunt regulation type of thing. If like I'm cool with saying don't release it to the public if it's running, but if it's like gone, it must be released. Like there's no no exceptions to yeah. that. Um, I'm like a staunch supporter of that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't agree remember. with that a hundred percent, especially. But you know, EverQuest is still around. Yes, and Project Ninety uh, Nine yes. exists. The, you know, so like that, that's a very gray area, but a game like Wildstar, like I was talking about Wildstar with a friend uh, recently, and we were like, it's an MMO. They made huge mistakes. It was a fantastic game, but they made huge mistakes in their marketing and totally marketed it to the wrong people. And then that game got shut down and now nobody can play it. Yeah. Um, I agree. So there's a, uh, I don't know what company it is, like Red something. They took over a lot of Sony's stuff, MMOs. So Planetside, EverQuest 2, EverQuest 1. They took over. So they bought everything from Sony and just like mm -hmm. ran it themselves. So they're, they actually continue to make EverQuest. So like if you go to everquest.com, there are new expansions to EverQuest made by this company and people are supporting it. So that is like a, a weird avenue of people and companies collectively taking that upon themselves to like do that whole effort. I don't think that that's like, I think that's an exception to the rule in that if there is ever an event where there is no buyer, there is no person that is going to take over the thing, it should not be allowed to just evaporate into the digital ether. That is um, something I'm wholly against. 
uh, I'm glad that there's a bunch of people that are making emulated stuff, but it's so underground and and uh, like a hodgepodge of stuff that you not it requires a technically savvy person to erect. Daybreak Games, there you go. Yeah, there were the ones. I'll get. I'll let you go in just a second, Rich. Um, Daybreak Games is the studio that that uh, he was talking about, but they're also the ones that were originally the people who made EverQuest, and then oh. Sony bought them. And then they ended up buying it back from Sony. It's a weird thing. Uh, go ahead, Rich. What were you saying? Uh, I just wanted to shout out Knockout City, which was a pretty good game, right? Like a, a games as a service game, and that was one that got shut down in June of last of June of last year. Mm-hmm. It's now last year, um, and they <laughs> ended up doing a private hosted server, so you can. They made that available for free. So that's one of that's an example of a game that can still be played today. I don't know if it is. I assume there's a community of people playing that um, with this private hosted server that the Knockout City development team developed before they shut down the servers. So that's really, really neat. Yeah, uh, we had, um, oh gosh, who it was Call Me Jay said something about every game. I wish I could find it. Every game that has a server. Um, uh, yeah, any server-based game needs an offline mode or a system that emulates the server instructions locally. I don't necessarily agree with that. Just, I, I, if you're talking about just like regular multiplayer, yeah. But when you're talking about something like, like an MMO, that's really not something that's going to work that way. And having like World of Warcraft have an offline mode. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but I do like Carrie's idea of uh, having the you know the software that is needed in order to run the server available just as open source. If you shut the game down, just make the stuff open source. All right. Uh, anything else that you guys want to hit on this uh, this hot take before we move on? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hot take. Uh, it, the weird thing about this is that we're coming full circle on an idea that Microsoft tried doing with the original Xbox One in 2013, where they were like, you buy a disc and it'll just make you have the digital version. And then you can, you know, sell and do whatever you want with that digital game. And you can have family sharing and all this other stuff. But the, the physical version you're going to get is just going to translate to an immediate digital version. And everyone was like, go F yourself. And now we're coming full <laughs> circle where Microsoft was trying to self-regulate. And now the, everyone's looking at the stuff and is like, hey, we, we demand to own this stuff. And but, uh, but let's be real. No one trusted Microsoft. That's the that's the crux, right? It's I, to- just the- I totally get it. And the, I'm trying to like look up the term for it and I can't find it. There's a, a term that has been coined for Microsoft and it's uh, they're in Microsoft is in their own little bubble. So mm-hmm. um, there are things that they have developed on the desktop and other things where they like made nine CRTs and they're like, look how cool this is. Like you can have nine CRTs to have like this full desktop around you. It's like, no one is going to do this. Why did you make this? And it's a, there's like a sphere. It's it's something that they call where you know Microsoft employees are just like have tunnel vision of like what they're experiencing that no other person is normally going to witness. And I feel like that whole thing, that push that Microsoft was doing, was a big hodgepodge of that whole mess where the Xbox 360 was hot. You had a bunch of people that were for whatever reason. Everyone was hot on TV 
Like TV was like, oh, that's going to be a thing that a lot of people are doing. Well, AT&T bought DirecTV and that was a huge top mess. box, right? Yeah, like they Mark, you can see it clearly and you saw it clearly with crypto when all of these companies all of a sudden just started jumping on crypto as like it was like, oh, we got to jump on this bandwagon. And it's like all of these different companies like announced it at a similar time. And I feel like TV was like that thing as well. So you had like Microsoft, AT&T and all these other people that like CEOs were just so CEOs are talking about other CEOs and like, let's let's go join in on TV. And Microsoft and AT&T ate it hard, real bad on, on that choice from those CEOs. And likewise for crypto, Square Enix is still going down that route for whatever reason. Uh, but like, it, it was a weird thing to witness where everyone was already peeling away from crypto and every, you know, these companies were still trying to do it. And I don't know. I, I find that like we're in a situation where we're seeing no one want, everyone wants to own what they have. They have this feeling like they bought it, they own it, but they don't, they just have a license to it. And I feel like, as like we we're all saying, that the EU is probably going to step in here, and they're like, "No, no, they do own it." Also, they need to be able to sell whatever license they bought. Uh, so there's going to have to be a, an ecosystem somewhere inside of these platforms where you can resell your stuff. And I think Apple's going to find themselves getting bit in the ass real hard because they have a bunch of games that no longer function or work on late, the latest versions of iOS. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the worst of this, right? Like when it comes to preservation, when it comes to, um, uh, like the stuff that Tim Sweeney is fighting against that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Who Carrie, who was the name of the executive that was like Phil Spencer's predecessor at Microsoft? Oh, uh, Peter Moore. I think it was the guy after Peter. Oh Moore. yeah. It was the guy after oh, the Xbox uh, Don Matrick. guy, Don Matrick. Don, Don Matt. See that guy. Um, I don't, he's probably great as a person. I don't know. <laughs> as far as Xbox executives go, he was the worst, right? Yeah, he, and like, the, that was a, yeah, like that was, you know, there's, there's that whole like collusion that you see that you can almost see through the veil of like what's going on. Electronic Arts and Microsoft were super buddy, buddy and mm-hmm. Sega and Microsoft were super buddy, buddy. And, you know, like they were buddy, buddy with uh, Sega, like during the Dreamcast era, like my, Dreamcast right. had the, the windows of some version kernel of running on Dreamcast. And then Peter Moore, who was a part of Sega is now taking over Xbox. And then you see like and a relationship with yeah, electronic arts. And then Don Matrick from EA comes over to Microsoft and it's like, well, what the hell's going on there guys? But yeah, it's like um, Peter Moore was great for Xbox. Don Matrick wasn't. And no. uh, yeah, that whole thing is, is, whatever it's unfortunate yeah. but um it, it just I, I bring it up because it goes back to what you were saying right like when when microsoft made that uh plan or that they were trying to advertise that plan right it was it was during don matrick's time and you know if phil spencer said something like that today like we love phil like phil like okay cool that's great we'll see how you ride this out and how you make that happen but Don Matrick had earned zero of that trust. And there was yeah. no way that I would have believed that he would have done that in a way that would have been pro-consumer. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I the, the whole Xbox One thing was a giant mess anyway. So it's just weird to me, right? Like they were at least trying to secure and understand and try to bypass that regulation. Because if you, they're looking 10 years down the road, right? Of, well, we're only doing licenses and that people are going to be fed up with that and they don't want this and that. So it's like they were trying to make an ecosystem, a digital ecosystem that worked like physical. And everyone's like, go F yourself. 
And now we're very much in that space. Literally 10 years later, uh, well, now 11 years, uh, it's interesting to to witness. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, the the idea of digital ownership, I don't know that that's ever going to happen, even even with regulation. I just, I think that there's, there's too many hurdles to, to jump over and make sure that everything is interoperable. Um, because, you know, this, this company is going to use this format for their stuff. These guys are going to do their own thing. These guys are going to do their own thing. And it's just, it's never going to really work, uh, the way that we want it to. Um, but you know, I, I love the discussion and the idea of, I, I did a poll in chat and I said, are subscriptions bad for the industry? Uh, and it was 66% said yes, 34% said no. So uh, most people do think that subscriptions are bad for the industry. I don't know how I feel about it because I freaking love Game Pass. Like I subscribe to it and I get to play tons of games that I otherwise would not play. And to me, personally, that is good for me. But is it bad for the industry? I don't know. And if if you guys who are watching this or were in our little private Discord, you would constantly see this argument happening between everybody in there as we talk about it back and forth. And every time we start having this conversation, I'm just like, man, I wish we were recording this because it was really good. Well, now we got to have that Glad conversation. Glad to make it happen. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, real, all right. Real quick, Bob. I, yeah. I didn't know you put that poll up. Bobby Brackens, they say, can you be more specific about subscription? And I will say, like, if I had voted in that poll, I'd probably say that uh, that subscriptions are generally bad for the industry. But again, there is nuance, right? Like, I love Humble Choice. I have subscribed to Game Pass in the past. Uh, Humble Choice, I, I think, unequivocally is a good subscription because you can pause it, you can cancel it, and you can sign back up later on. I to do that. What's that? I you never, never remember it. to do I, that. <laughs> I have, I literally have a reminder in my phone that reminds me once a month uh, to check the humble choice and pause it. But to, the truth is, if I don't pause it, like I, I have, there's this goodwill that they've bought up with mm-hmm. me that, like, if I mistakenly forget to unpause it or pause it rather, then no big deal. They just got another twelve dollars for me. Um, but I guess with Game Pass specifically, I'll just close on saying I think. People have said Game Pass is the greatest deal in gaming right now. They're not wrong. It's a really good, it's a really great deal in gaming. There's no doubt. I think the the question is, what will it be in the future? And my concern is just that they're building a fence around you now and getting you to opt in now. And they're going to, you know, pull the rug out from under you in 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And I can't tell the future, so that may not happen, but uh, I can I can see the past and we've seen what ha- what has happened with Netflix and other subscriptions and other just tech bubble things that mm-hmm. feel like the rug has been pulled out from under me personally. Um, oh, yeah. So I just, and yeah. Last night, my wife and I, we like to watch um, Twilight Zone on uh, there used to be a, a marathon when back when we had cable, they would do a marathon on New Year's Eve and we would watch the Twilight Zone. Like all damn night, it was just this, yep. like this this tradition, and then eventually we got we became cord cutters, and last night she found it on Amazon. Now Amazon recently changed their. I know this isn't gaming related, but this is re- directly related to what Rich was saying. Everybody, um, 
they they said, hey, we're going to start putting ads on Amazon Prime uh, videos, and you can pay an extra $2 a month or whatever to get rid of that. Again, you know, the, the, the price is completely outside of the, uh, this. The, just the idea that I had already signed up and they changed it for me drives me crazy, number one. Number two, there were ads in it last night. It's not supposed to start until January 29th, right. but there were ads in my Twilight Zone episodes last night, and there was no way for me to bump my subscription up so that I didn't have to watch these uh, ridiculously annoying ads. That was incredibly frustrating to me. And yep. this is the kind of thing where I feel like, you know, the streaming services, the video game subscriptions, all of those things, I, I said earlier, I don't want regulation, but all of those things I want regulated so that when I sign up for a, for a damn service, they can't change the price on me. They can change the right. price on the next doofus that hasn't signed up yet but when i sign up if i sign up at 10 bucks it's 10 bucks until i decide to cancel my service and then if i renew that price goes back up uh, yeah go ahead uh yeah it's um so there's a few things uh make sure number one that because uh, amazon introduced freebie which had ads uh last year um so make oh. sure it doesn't say freebie on it if it says prime that should not have ads if it says freebie that would have ads um, okay. So I did not know about of, that. Yeah. So they kind of like demoing this thing. Um, for what it's worth, I find it funny because I feel like Amazon Prime, which I have been subscribed to, and I'm like, you know, maybe I don't need Prime anymore because pretty much everything I order is going to get to me in two days anyway, just because the infrastructure has been built up in such a way that it's almost impossible not to get it in two days. Like it, yeah. it, 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 it's more of a problem for them to not ship it, not deliver it to me in two days. Like there's like, I got something from Best Buy and it got to me in a day and I got it for free and I didn't, I'm not a part of anything. So it feels like UPS and all these other things are just like so well oiled now that it's just a result of primeness. And you look at what Amazon has done with Prime and the video part of it, they've really been banging on all cylinders. This year, we have Boys Season 4. We have the Fallout series, which is now going to be canon part of the Fallout universe. And I was oh, like, oh, sweet. Man. I can't wait to watch this. And then they were like, there's going to be ads. And I was like, oh, you guys know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt like, I feel like they're like, there's someone working in the background that's like, you know, we have all these books and no one's really making like real adaptations of books. Let's just do it good. And Amazon has been banging on all cylinders. And the problem when you look at Netflix, Netflix is the only real subscription service that is doing video good. And everyone else joined in and like, oh, we, we can just do it. And it turns out that it's very expensive to do what Netflix is doing. And everyone is like, oh, crap, this is a lot harder than it actually is. And now they're starting to peel back or increase uh, the, the subscription fees just to come back. And everyone's like, man, I really wish I had cable again. Uh, it's a weird thing. So when you look at this and go back to what Game Pass is, um, I, I only started playing back on Xbox again because of Game Pass. I would argue that if Microsoft did not make Game Pass, they would cease to be. Like, if Game Pass didn't exist for Xbox, it's likely that they would have just vanished. And it would just be Nintendo and Sony again. I think yeah. Game Pass is the only reason that Microsoft is still in it. Um, so from that angle, are subscriptions bad? I tend to look at it through the lens of Grounded, Sea of Thieves, Pentiment. We would not have Hi-Fi Rush. We would definitely not have gotten these games 
unless that subscription uh, was there. And Microsoft with Phil Spencer kind of like saying, okay, let's have these AA games, which I think is the, the right way to look at it. I don't need 40-hour single-player games. I want an eight-hour, six-hour single-player game. And I think just looking at it through that scope is something that a lot of companies need to start doing. But I'm on the I'm the pro I'm on the pro side of subscription models. I don't think that every company can do it, and I think Microsoft is the only one where they said day one any brand new game comes into Game Pass, and I think that's a core part of that. And no other company can do it. Uh, it's a weird mix and match. Like when we took a look at the stuff that came out, um, but yeah, subscription models are, are tough. I like them, and I don't think every company can succeed at them. So it's it's kind of a give and take. So if number one. Uh, one thing I want to push back on is the the whole idea that Microsoft is like day one is not day one. That is BS because when certain games come out and you got to oh, right. pay in order to get access on day one, man, screw you, what Microsoft. I, I, uh, I can't think of what, what game it is Starfield. off the top of my head. Star- Starfield, Starfield was one of them. Yeah. Forza oh, was another one where you could, you only got to play on day one if you bought it and then they oh. were like oh well that's, that's early. A, you're buying early access which yeah, is that's a premium horse version. hockey yeah you're yeah. buying the premium version to play six days or seven days early which yeah. is bs that is a whole bunch of bs uh, diablo 4 did it too didn't they diablo 4 uh well diablo 4 is not on game pass right but i'm saying there's other games that have been doing like let's just put it in the premium version of the game where you can play seven well, days early I don't think that that necessarily bothers me nearly as much as Microsoft saying day one access for your Game Pass games, right? Yeah. But then you got to pay Star- to get the real day one. And they're like, Star- well, that's not day one. Yeah, but Starfield was only available day one with the premium version. You can only get on day one with the $100 version or $90 version or whatever. Right. That wh- What I'm saying is Diablo, that doesn't count for Diablo because that's not a Game Pass thing. Like sure. Blizzard, is, Blizzard isn't part of the subscription. So they didn't. At the time. I, well, I guess right, still, it, right. It, but yeah, certainly. It still isn't yet, but I, I can't see a, a world in which the, the, you know, the Blizzard games aren't all going to be on Game Pass. Um, speaking of Game Pass, we had a message that come in from Sancho. A super chat. Thank you very much for the support. If you guys want to make sure that we see your messages, that's one way to do it. Um, But they said, uh, how do you guys personally play Game Pass games? Um, I'm I'm Xbox. I'll just play it on my Xbox. I don't really play it on my PC all that much because my PC is older and weaker. Rich? So I haven't subscribed to Game Pass in a while. The last time I subscribed to Game Pass, I think, was pre-Steam Deck. when I was using the GPD WinMax one and I was using Game Pass on that. So I was, yeah, playing on the GPD WinMax one. I played Iconfell through that and a couple under other indies, but it was it was fun. Now how are you playing Game Pass, Carrie? Um actually this is actually a good thing. So this weekend, uh the well, weekend. Yeah, the weekend just about starting Friday. Uh I I was playing on my Xbox Series X. I just like I was like, you know what? I'm gonna play Starfield. I wasn't really feeling it, but let me just go through it. Like I it's definitely not like it wasn't the game that everyone wanted it to be, and it's still a fun game, and there's still some parts of it that are amazing to play. So I played on my Xbox Series X and then I had my GPD Win Mini, 
and uh, my daughter and my wife started watching some rom-coms on Netflix. So I just opened up my GPU and mini and synced the save automatically. And I started playing on my piece on my GPU and mini. And then I was like, you know what? The, there was game pass that came to the meta quest. So I got the meta quest two that my, my son no longer uses because he has a meta quest three. So I put on my meta quest two and I started playing meta quest three with game pass cloud streaming. And I had to wait 15 minutes uh, before I could play. It was like, there's a long queue of people playing xCloud. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, this has never been a thing. And I guess a lot of people are playing on xCloud now because I had to wait 50. I literally had to just take my headset off and wait until I heard Starfield playing through my headset. I was like, oh, okay, let me do this. And I put it on and it said, your game your game data didn't sync. Would you like to retry? I'm like, what? So then I, I opened up my GPU and Mini. I'm trying to open up the Xbox app and there is no button on the Xbox app for PC to say force sync my saves. And there's nothing I could see. So I'm like, oh, let me play it. And it's like, you're playing on, on cloud. Do you want to, do you want to terminate that? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how do I, how do I put the saves on this thing onto there? And uh, I had a re, I, it was a, it, that was like the one part where I've actually had a mess. So I, I actually got a survey data from Xbox PC game pass. And I was like, there needs to be a way for me to force save my force sync my save data and also yeah. see it. Like I, I am oblivious to what is going on and I'm all for transparency, but when it's breaking, I, there, there needs to be a button. There needs to be a way that I could say, no, no, go and push it now. Go, go do whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a little rocky there. That's like one time that, but I'm grateful because it didn't just like play and then like go back to like a previous section and then I would have played like a previous game and then that would have gotten re-uploaded and then I would, I would have been, that would have been a nightmare. So at the very least, I'm glad that there's like a catch on Microsoft side where they're like, Oh wait, we don't have the last update. Um, but they need to, the PC side of it needs to get fixed a bunch. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, let us know in, in chat how it is that you guys play uh, your game pass games. If you subscribe to game pass at all, um, I I also asked the guys to bring uh, three games that and and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I wanted to hear three games that they are looking forward to in 2024. Uh, so I'm going to start us off with with my first game, and these are not in any particular order, but the first game that I have as my most anticipated game for 2024 might come out that uh, that year or not because we don't actually have the the month but star wars outlaws that demo that they showed where like they were playing i mean i know it's a demo and and you know take all that stuff with a grain of salt but that game looks fantastic and it's it it's, in the star wars, it's in the star wars universe which i love star wars i adore star wars so i'm i'm sold i'm gonna buy that game day one that is one of my most anticipated games rich What's what's uh, what's one of your most anticipated games for the new year? I thought I was going to go last because I got like a ton. But if I'm going to I'm going to pick one. It, the top one, I think, is Hellblade 2 because of the games that I'm looking at. Hellblade is one that I finished. I really enjoyed and it was something different. And to an extent, I am worried that like Hellblade 2 won't be different enough. Uh, one of the reasons I really like Hellblade is because of how different it was. Um, but I'm really interested to see where they take it. I'm really interested to see, you know, the studio now has more money, more trust within Microsoft, um, now being within Microsoft. And I'd like to see what they do with the sequel. What about you, Carrie? What's uh, one of your most anticipated games for, for next year? 
so the game that I'm looking forward to, and I've been looking forward to this since they had the teaser trailer for this in 2020, is Avowed. And this is the Skyrim-like uh, made by Obsidian. Um, and that um, I've been looking forward to that for a while. The Obviously, the, the trailer for it wasn't all that great, but I'm looking forward to see what Obsidian does in that type of style. Um, yeah, that's probably a thing that I've been waiting for for a while, and I know that that's coming out this year. Awesome. Uh, so my next one, because I... I... I picked three. I just thought of one just off the top of my head. I'm going to use this as a dark horse because we don't really know if it's coming this year or not. Metroid Prime 4. Oh, yeah. You know, you you rewind to the release of the Switch seven years ago, eight years ago. I don't know, 2016. Like I still have my pre-order on Best Buy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Nintendo had zero choice. They had to announce Metroid Prime 4 because they just released uh, Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS, right? And they released it the same year that the Nintendo Switch came out. So they were like, they, it, it kind of put them in a position where they had to announce a Metroid game coming to Switch in order to help the Switch move sales, you know, because it, it, it came out in March in June, they're making these announcements, and they're like, here's Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS. Oh, by the way, we're also making a Nintendo Switch Metroid game, so don't worry, everybody, all right? Um, and then they had to start over. They got to a certain point, and Nintendo was like, hey, um, our game sucks, so we're starting over. We're getting the studio that made the other Metroid games to make that, and we haven't heard anything since like it's been nothing and i want to play metroid prime 4 so badly so that's going to be one of my one of my picks because i just love the metroid series rich what's next on your list of most anticipated games we got to go with final fantasy 7 rebirth that's the next one i would say um yeah i i want to see where they take it again um and i think it'll be a good one Miko in chat says Prime 4 will be a launch title for the next Switch. I hope that it's on so. the current Switch and the next Switch, like they did with the Wii U and the Switch for Breath of the Wild. I think that, that would be a really great move. Um, when does Final Fantasy VII Rebirth come out? Because I still need to finish Remake, and so, I bought it twice already, damn it. <laughs> February, I think, but I have the same problem because I I got through it like two thirds of the way on the PS4. And then I bought the PC ver. Well, I bought, I got the upgrade for the PS5 and I was going to play on that. And then I got the PC version. So mm-hmm. I have to finish that as well. Um, the problem is I think dragon's dogma two also comes out in February and I've never played dragon's dogma. So now I have to make the decision. Do I go back and play the first one or do I just get the second one? So yeah, that's, that's too much gaming to finish in one and a half months. I think. Uh, while Kerry tells us about his um, his next uh, most anticipated game, I'm going to run a poll in chat to see what you guys think: Final Fantasy VII, or uh, remake, or rebirth, or Dragon's Dogma Two, since they both come out at the same time. So let me get that poll up. Kerry, what's your next most anticipated game, or are yeah, you, you busy know, typing? No, I was looking for my Best Buy order. It was tw- uh, 20, 2018 <laughs> that I bought. Uh, Best Buy's been collecting on that float. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
And then I rebought it in 2018 or 2019, basically when um, uh, GCU Gamer Club Unlocked or whatever Best Buy's program that they had where you can get 20% off on, on new games and stuff. So I'm looking and I still have it somewhere, but I can't find it on Best Buy anywhere. But uh, it was $36 that I paid for Metroid Prime 4. That's what it's going to come to me at. So I bought it a long time ago. But yeah, I am of the belief that it should be a launch title uh, for the Super Switch because we don't it's like a nebulous amount of time of that how long they've been working on it and you know we we know that it's been scrapped and rebooted and whatever i think they need a proper um launch title much like how breath of the wild was on the wii u and the switch um and you know how we i mean metroid has never been a system seller that's still the think thing they need, yeah they need something there i am you know i i'm sure that the super switch will have I feel like they're going to have the same run that the switch did in year one, where they will have a pretty good game, like almost every month. So I do imagine that Metroid prime four will be part of that strategy, but I, I think it would be a mistake for that to be the tentpole launch game. Mm. I think it's Mario Kart nine. I think that's going to be, oh. <laughs> I think that's that, going to be like by far the launch a, game. Yeah. That's probably a better bet, but that's going to be a game that, well, you know, it's, it's a good point because you know, we look at Mario Kart 8 and it looks fantastic on the Switch, runs perfectly great on the Switch. So chances are that there's going to whatever Mario Kart 9 is. But they just came out with another wave of DLC for Mario Kart 8. And I guess the last the last, the yeah. last one. Yep. Yeah. And that was so, a, last a Wii U game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for what it's worth, there was a lot of people that didn't buy a Wii U. So Nintendo just still has this treasure trove of like stuff that they can just like repackage up and shove on the Switch, yeah. which has been like a real good thing for them. Because for it's sure. like for a lot of people, it's like, man, these guys are just these guys are banging on all cylinders. Like, look at the look at the quality of titles that they keep on coming out with. That's why um, first year of the Switch was one of the best years ever, because they had that back catalog of games that they were probably working on for the Wii U. And then they said 14.7 million people worldwide lifetime sales for the Wii U. Not enough. So right. stop all of that development, put all of that stuff into the Switch instead and have like one of the craziest first years ever. That's why the, the Switch just flew off the shelves i you, you know I, go ahead go ahead well i was gonna i was also gonna mention metroid i think that every metroid game has gone down in sales since the last one so like they sold this many and then the next one they sold this many and the next one they sold this many and that's that's not because they're bad games they just i don't think they're marketed very well because they're really good games for the most part so having that as the launch title for the switch to it's okay if it's a launch title for the Switch 2 or the Super Switch, but it can't yeah. be the one. But then Agreed. you said Mario Kart. How do you, what do you do to Mario Kart to change? It doesn't it? matter. It doesn't matter. It's Mario Kart. Yeah. Mario Kart 8, I think, is the best selling Mario Kart title well, ever. I, you look, I, Mario I might Kart be wrong. 8 is huge. Like with all the DC, that game is ginormous. It's like all of the Mario Karts ever in one game like when you when you yeah. look at all the dlc Except stuff it's, out, it's outrageous it's outrageous mm -hmm. how much stuff is in mario kart 8. um but yeah i knew for a fact that the switch one was going to be a big hit when we heard that the attach rate for breath of the wild was like at 110 percent meaning like you know people were buying it and didn't have a switch or they were just buying multiple copies of zelda yeah. 
and like that's how like that's an unreal attach rate. <laughs> like, have on a, like what's your attach rate? It's over a hundred percent. They're like, is that an error? No, we just we sold more than people own. <laughs> yeah, it's outrageous. We're that good attach rate. Yeah, yeah. I will say that um, for Mario Kart, I think that they should just ditch the numbers and just release Mario Kart and have it be a permanent games as a service game where it's Early access, you know. Right? You, you, <laughs> What's that? Subscription base, early yeah, access Mar- and subscription base. Yeah, not, not subscription base. You buy the game, okay, and it's got the base game, and then you buy the DLC separate if you want. But if you buy DLC for Mario Kart, you have it for when the next Nintendo system comes out. That Mario Kart has that DLC, and it's just it's on your account, and you you just always move forward to the next system with prettier graphics, but the same courses, the same characters like that just makes sense to me that way um but i feel like you they can should already drive on the walls game. and underwater and fly what the hell else can you add to mario kart to justify it's the next one <laughs> i don't know it's not madden right like they don't have to like stick to i don't know they can do whatever they want it's nintendo i'm sure like they That's have true. creative folks over there they f- they'll figure it out it's not i i think they're fine i was gonna say i like i like that idea though especially for Mario Maker. I think that would be a great idea for Mario Maker is yes. you have Mario Maker and you make it like uh, it, it's just that is a games as a service. It would fit very well as a games as a service. I think Nintendo would have to do better with sort of their online infrastructure. But I mean, it would be cool if that was still. You, yeah. You know, it would be really awesome that I don't think Nintendo would ever do, but it would be something for like the super hardcore gamers of everything is if Nintendo just like double and triple down on all of their black swan franchises and had all of those be like their launch title. So they like make mother four. They'll do uh, Metro prime four. They'll do like kid Icarus. Like all yeah. of these would be just launch titles of like games that are Nintendo franchises that no one really buys, but that's yeah. all of the launch titles. Like that's, that's what they come out with and everyone would just lose their minds. That would be I great. think that there's a lot of nostalgia there for those games that, that aren't super popular. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that's enough. Uh, but it's yeah. super interesting. Um, who went last? I've, we've lost track. Uh, I oh, think Kerry I went, went last. No, no Kerry went last talking about his, uh, and then I did the poll at the same time. I'll leave the poll running. I'll hit my next one, or my last one, I guess. And there's got to be Homeworld 3, because, I mean, if you never played those, they're a real-time strategy game in space, Um and I loved Homeworld 1. I loved Homeworld 2. A really, really fun space-based RTS game. That game, that genre is dead. Like, nobody is making those kind of games anymore. So I'm very excited to see what happens with Homeworld 3. I can't imagine I'll be good at it. But as long as I can play against the computer, I'll be happy. Uh, what, what's, your, what's next on your list, Rich? Let me go last. I got to. Okay. What's next on your list, Gary? Um, So I'm probably going to do something that I'm probably in the same ballpark as you, Bill. And I was, I, I don't have anything that I want to say is just, but Metroid prime four is probably going to be something that I, I, I would like, but we've already discussed that. Fair. All right, Rich, you're last. I'm going to rapid fire some things actually before I rapid fire. um, I don't want to be negative, um, but I really want to, f- I'm really anticipating the release of skull and bones 
just for the train wreck effect. Um, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to be that negative, but I, I, it's like, imagine if you said you could release Star Citizen tomorrow. That's kind of what right. it feels like to me. Um, so I, I want to see what comes of that. I mean, if we're, if we're talking, so I guess that is like a new release. I, I like, it's been such like a kind of a meme at this point that I don't even like consider it like a star citizen type of thing. Right. Um, uh, it has a release date. Yeah. I mean, like uh, for me, if we're talking about like, just like the other things like God of War Ragnarok, the PC release is something that I'm looking forward to. I don't know if that's this year, uh, but that's something that I've been looking forward to, but that game's already come out. Like, I don't know. That's the like mind space that I'm in. I'm thinking of like new, new games that, Uh, I don't really have anything outside of those two. That sushi sushi has to come to PC this year, right? It's supposed to be February. It's supposed to be next month, isn't it? Or something else? There's month? no release date. There's. It's not even. Is it announced? Sushi. Uh, Ghost, uh, of, Ghost sushi. of Sushi. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. Somebody mentioned that earlier in chat. But it's not announced. So, I have no idea. I mean, I hope it does come, but it's just. Wait, when is the Last of Us Two remastered coming to PC? Is that February? I, I think that hasn't been announced either. Not the PC mm, port. I think it's been announced. Oh, PC port. I, I feel I like. I feel or like. Are you talking about release? Last of Us Two remastered, Carrie? Yeah, I'm talking. Well, right now I'm talking about Last of Us Two remastered. I so that in be my on head, the PlayStation right away. Like I think January or February, but not PC. Right. Right, but in my head, there's a February PC release that's in my head for some reason, and I don't know what it is. Okay. There is a uh, Horizon. Horizon is coming in February. Ah, there we go. That's, yep, that's yep, 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 yep. But I think like Ghost of Sushi has been like that. It was in the NVIDIA leak, and it's basically the only PlayStation port that hasn't come yet that was in that NVIDIA leak. Um, it seems like it's coming. Anyway, should I should I go through my list real quick? Rapid fire. Let's hear them. All right. We mentioned Dragon's, Dragon's Dogma 2, but I want to call that one out because, again, I didn't play the original, but there's so much praise from people that I trust that mm-hmm. I really I really want to play that game. Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Uh, no, I was looking forward to it, but then when I saw the like live action like of it playing, I kind of like got simmered down a bunch on it. What did... Uh, is it Itsuno? Is that the director? Hideki oh, I don't know. I, I'm just talking about like I had high hopes for it from what I played, and from what I saw, it was just like it felt like Dragon's Dogma one again. And I was like, "Is this is this the sequel?" Did Did you like Dragon's Dogma one? I, I haven't finished it, but yeah, when I started playing it, there was like a a, a real good sense of like if uh, um, Dungeons and Dragons, like Capcom's Dungeons and Dragons type of feel to yeah. it. Yeah, it, 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 the director is Itsuno, and uh, that director did devil may cry before that so it just feels like you know like i feel like he's going to be on a roll so i'm looking forward to it all right i'm going to rapid fire switch to <laughs> we've mentioned it a few times i am looking forward to whatever happens there uh princess peach i actually am really looking forward to that game that game looks fun um princess prince of persia we've talked about that a few times on this podcast i'm looking uh, forward to prince of persia a lot that game yeah, feels like they're good. going back to their roots which makes yeah. me excited for that because i played a hell of a lot of that game on my friend's pc back in the day heck yeah um anger foot i don't know if you guys played that during one of the steam next fest it's one of those devolver digital weird like first person shooter you kick down doors kind of thing um it looks weird it looks great um Llama Soft the Mentor story is a like compendium of uh game it's like a museum like a digital museum of right, this is um digital clips right 
Yes, digital clips of games by Jeff Minter. If you don't yeah. know Jeff Minter, he made Space Giraffe and um I'm gonna I'm gonna blank on the names now. What um Grid uh, Runner. Tempest, uh Tempest, Tempest that's the one I was yeah. looking for. He yeah. made really weird like vector graphics style games. Uh and I just like the way they're putting this together where it's like a whole like museum, but you play the video game. Uh Mugenics, I think, is coming out this year. So Mugenics is a new game from the guy that did Super Meat Boy and Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Ed. I forget his name. Yes. Uh, Sorry, Ed. McMillan. Edmund McMillan. Yes. Yeah, there we go. So, his brain is ridiculous, so I'm looking forward to seeing whatever he makes. Um, Penny's Big Breakaway is a game by the Sonic oh, yeah. Mania team. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. Sonic. Okay. Yeah. And oh, it yeah, looks... There was that one game, uh, the Christmas. It was a Metroidvania game. Oh, goodness gracious. That came out or is coming out? No, it's coming out. We actually saw it. Uh, the, um, oh, goodness gracious. I forget the name of it. And But it was, oh, I don't even remember. But I just remember there's like there. ice going up and he slid up it. I'll have to find the name. Yeah, please yeah. do. Because Metroidvanias are my jam. I love that, that genre. Uh, there's so many really, really great experiences that you can have in that genre. Then it, a lot of people overlook it because... Um, you know, it's not triple A stuff because there's not a whole lot of triple A Metroidvanias out there. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead, Rich. Uh, two more pepper grinder. I don't know much about it, but it's an action 2d platformer. I think it's published by De devolver. It just looks really cute, really great. So I I'm looking forward to that one. That's supposed to come out this year. And then, um, I didn't have this on my list, but Emilio mentioned it in chat. I don't know if it's coming out this year. UFO 50 is a game that Derek, you, oh, the yeah. Spelunky developer has been working on since after spelunky um so i think since before spelunky 2 um and it's it, it's a it's a compilation of like 50 disparate retro games made by different right. developers it's uh, it's not quite like uh warioware because i don't think they're actually like micro games i think they're full-fledged retro games um but it looks cool and hopefully it comes out this year it's called uh tales of kenzera that's the the metro the metroidvania yeah, okay. Tales of Kenzera. Um, I ran the the poll in chat asking uh, if you guys wanted to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth or Dragon's Dogma 2. And man, this is close. Dragon's Dogma 2, 52%. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, 47%. I have a New Year's resolution that I need to make and that I am going to finish Final Fantasy VII Remake before January or in, during January. Like, that's my goal. Uh, so, you know, knock on wood that I can pull that <laughs> off. Um, we had a couple super chats that came in during the show that I wanted to make sure that we hit. Uh, we already hit um, Sancho 2B, so thank you very much for that one. But Anomander Rake sent in a super chat uh, right at the beginning of the show. They said, off topic, but can I But I can get my hands on an AOK Zoe A1 Pro for a good price, but I'm hesitant to purchase a handheld from a small Chinese company. Any advice? Uh, have either of you guys used any AOK Zoe stuff? I've had one. Yeah, go ahead, Kerry. Uh, well, I so AOK Zoe is like a weird off branch of OneNet, and I don't uh, work with OneNet myself. Um, so I kind of just I will distance myself from answering here. <laughs> So yeah, I've had an AOK Zoe. I didn't have the best experience with that review unit. Um, I had to have it sent back and get a new one. Um, so 
yeah, it would be hard for me to recommend based off of that experience. Um, I have seen other reviews which give me similar trepidation. What I will say is I think that like, even if you can get an AOK Zoe at a discount, I feel like you can get like a Steam Deck at a similar price, whatever that price may be, but we don't know the price. So you didn't, you know, we, it may be hard to make that decision without that. Um, or, but or even an yeah. open box, uh, ally open box ally. Yes. Oh, if actually, yeah. I, I actually had someone mention this to me. They bought an open box, uh, Lenovo Legion go. And I mm-hmm. guess the person forgot that they put in a two terabyte, 2230 drive in there like they upgraded it and then returned it Woof. uh yeah so some guy got off like a super like GG. Uh, like yeah like he's like oh man look i don't have to upgrade this it came with a chair and i was like oh my yeah. goodness feel yeah, bad for that crazy. guy yeah. yeah gg to to the guy that bought it yeah good point on the open box ally that that's even better right because it, if you can pick it up in store and or not pick it up and put necessarily if it is open box um but if you can return it in store you can return it at best buy like yeah i feel like you yeah. would be better off with that the my problem isn't the chinese manufacturer my problem with just a casual person uh potentially buying there is the problem of returning it or or sending it in for repairs it does take weeks right it, you counted in weeks not in days yeah yeah um we also had a super chat come in from manu they said uh thank you again for the support by the way they said happy new year's love the podcast and thanks for all the recommendations just curious why isn't deck ready or eta prime on this podcast um no particular reason uh i was talking to uh deck ready just the other day and uh eta prime i'm betting that they don't know who i am so like i can't imagine (laughs) that they would come on the show um but there's no reason why Deck Ready hasn't been on yet. It's just usually we're pretty full, and I don't like reaching out to people at the last minute to say, hey, you want to fill a spot? So that's why I haven't uh, had him on yet, but there's no good reason why he why, why he can't come on. He's a good guy. I like his stuff. We haven't talked about it, but I, I think that would be cool for this year, for 2024, is to have some more content creator guests i've never you know we've worked with a lot of folks over like using uh just through steam pals right like that youtube channel Mm -hmm. but um i think it'd be cool to talk to like taki cool to talk to eta prime um jimmy those guys are both those guys are both like faceless like what's going to be on the screen (laughs) i you know i don't know i don't know i mean their hands there Uh, you could probably do one of those visualizers yeah, Prime has done a, a like a live podcast. He actually, it's like the only uh, way that people can actually see his face is like a super old podcast that he's on. I just think he's just way too busy. Like that dude yeah. just is a, he's a machine. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I'd love to talk to all those guys. Put out a lot guys. of content. Like Deck Ready, he has more than one. He's got Deck Ready. Yeah. He's got Xbox Ready. He's got PS Ready, PlayStation. I don't know what it's called, but he's got many channels. Uh, so asking those guys to. To, to drop what they're doing and and come out is like that's a big ask uh let's creek in in chat is saying you know some people are too uh clickbaity um i i disagree like when i see when i see deck ready stuff when i look at his thumbnail i don't necessarily know what it's about but i know that it's about like the steam deck and it's news about the steam deck so i'm going to click on it and find out i you I have a whole rant about clickbait and people who are always <laughs> saying that something is clickbait. You cannot possibly, yeah, you cannot possibly put all of the information that is in a video 
in a title and thumbnail. And people, you got to play the game if you want people to click on your stuff. You it's just have to. It's not really a choice. If you want to make videos and put them out on YouTube, you got to do a little bit of clickbait. As long as you actually deliver on it, then I think it's fine. You know, I don't put up a video like, this is this is how you can make billions of dollars. And then it's just like some stupid video of me playing. Like, that's clickbait. Give me a deck. <laughs> right. If you just, uh, you, yeah, you emulated all those games. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, I Gardner, Gardner would be cool. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a good guy, too. Yeah. Uh, but again... That's like, I don't like bugging people to ask them. And, you know, a little history of this particular podcast. And I don't know if you guys ever realized this. I invited the whole panel to come on as guests for episode one. But then they were just like, all right, when we do an episode two. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess, I guess you guys are uh, like on the show all the time then. Uh, I wasn't even anticipating that they would want to come on for the next episode. But having too many people in a show like that gets real messy and uh, you know you see it with some other podcasts where people are just shouting over each other uh it's hard to manage when you have tons of people but i will i will try and get some other people on the show uh in the future as well uh but I that's think, gonna do Gary, it. i think i think bill just said we overstayed our welcome negative that is not what <laughs> hey i said i was just <laughs> surprised that you guys wanted to be on the show after the first episode like that was something that i didn't anticipate uh, uh awesome so anyway thank you guys uh for joining us for the show there's just so many there's so many people here and hanging out with us for the live show you guys are fantastic thank you to the people who sent in super chats um this week carrie what's your uh do you have any videos coming out this week uh, yeah, so I have the uh, Ambernick just sent me their well, sent me a few days ago, but I'm I'm finishing up on it. This is their RG35XXH. Uh, it's just a, a reconfiguration of what they just put out just a little bit ago, and I finally got in the INEO slide, so I'm actually doing work on that as well. Awesome, and uh, you you also recently I'm going to put the camera on you so so people can see oh. it. You also yeah. recently. Uh, oh, yeah. have this thing running in the background. You want to tell people about that? Because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people watching want to know about that weird screen behind you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I made, I made a game in unity, uh, because it's like the only way that I could figure out how to actually like send specific HDR data or SDR data, uh, outside of like an image. Um, so the idea being that I've already proven that pushing HDR content will use more power. So it uses actually around two and a half times more power. Uh, so by that metric, since we know it pushes more power and because of what Bob Wolf has done with the SWOLED, we know that it takes a long time for the SWOLED to have any type of image retention issues. And what I've done here is you can't really see it's all blurry on my side, but you can see that I have uh, white, green, blue, and red. You can kind of just make out the colors there. And I'm pushing those at their max luminance that is possible on the deck. So I am juicing it as much as I can. And then to the left of them, I have SDR brightness levels. So as we're going through those tests, we should see at what brightness levels uh, with, with what color and whiteness or whatever, um, that this will affect the panel so we can be able to see over time so the first test that i have coming up is around february 11th which is the 1000 hour mark uh so i'll have an update on what that looks like also there's actually a tool that valve supplies in in the steam deck oled when it's a it's an extractor so we can actually see if that does anything but apparently they can via software 
determine what is going on with the, the panel itself. Uh, so we'll see if that works. So there's lots of stuff that we're going to see. It's going to be pretty cool and uh, exciting to see. I think that, uh, Carrie, you should make T-shirts that are the red, green, and blue and have people like, I think the blue is going to burn in the, the monster. Oh. I think the green and sell T-shirts on your channel. Uh, and then you can also report how many people bought the green teas, how many people bought the blue teas, how many people bought the the red teas. Oh. Dude, it's team blue all the way. Blue is going to is going to have image <laughs> retention issues first. Has to. All right. Well, uh, Rich, what have you been uh, working on? What's going on this week? Yeah. So I just had a video with my 15 favorite Steam Deck games of 2023. So definitely check that out. And I'm taking my time on the next couple videos, um, but I am working on reviews for the Ioneo Slide and the GPD Win Mini, which are both interesting devices to say the least. I will put a PSA out there um, for, you know, the 350 of us uh, in the room right now. The <laughs> the Ioneo Slide doesn't have a three and a half millimeter jack, which I kind of find baffling at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's a PSA hold for anyone watching. Hold an Apple on you. So are, I was, are you expecting I was, to use I USB-C headphones? It. Or I'm using Bluetooth. Bluetooth. I'm using Bluetooth. That's what I have. I mean, I do have three and a half millimeter and that's my go-to. I went, like I, I discovered this at night when I was actually playing it in bed, right? Like I'm like, all right, let me plug in my headphones. And I'm like, no, this can't be. And my, my wife is asleep. So I'm like trying to minimize the light that I'm shining on the device. But I'm like, this can't, <laughs> I looked behind the, the screen. I bent the screen forward. I looked in the micro SD card slot. I'm like, it has to be here somewhere. And it wasn't there. So it's not like it's a phone where they're like, they're making it razor thin to it. And you get rid of that. It saves a bunch of space. Like oh, this I is a handheld any. PC. It's got room for a freaking headphone jack, right? It's a chunky, it's a chunky boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chunky like, boy. I will say it's, I mean, GPD's done this, so I'm, I'm not making excuses for it. I, I don't know what the engineering looks like, but I will say it's like, it, it's, thicker than usual and i think that's because of the keyboard that's right there are you laughing because i said thicker than usual like, no that's no i'm oh i didn't <laughs> i thought you were talking to me i was laughing because uh Akin, ad b i don't know how to say your name man i'm sorry uh he said displaying i need displaying courage yeah. that's yeah, too funny <laughs> uh real quick to emilio uh no i so i am i do actually have a, a side thing with uh, talking about GameScope and other stuff that I'm going to be doing. So I do talk to people from Valve, uh, but no, um, there are questions that I asked to Valve that had these questions in there, but they never answered me. I also asked for any type of program that they might have used internally to, to test the screen, and they didn't reply to me, which is why I made my own thing. Um, so yes, I, I do talk to them to some sometimes i just talk and i don't hear anything back so sometimes it's like me just talking to a wall basically all the time that like whenever yeah. you you rarely get a response back from valve yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well anyway uh those are the videos that we've got coming out this week um keep stay what tuned everybody uh i i don't know yet uh i've got the podcast yeah. that just came out usually yeah. i put out a video on friday but i might be publishing my new channel later on this week we'll, we will see i've got one more video to make one and a half more videos to make before i publish it and just so everybody knows most of you are not going to care about this because it's about content creation it's not about video games uh but when i do uh push it live uh i'll let you know about it so that people can check it out because i just love talking about content creation stuff but 
Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Nerd Nest podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And, and you could have been anywhere on uh, January 1st. And you decided to hang out with us in instead of all of the other things you could have been doing. And we really, really appreciate it. So stay rad, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank <laughs> you.